Hey everyone, welcome back to the Cyber Empowerment Podcast. Today, we have the honor to be here with Mr. Dinesh. Dinesh is a seasoned professional in the cybersecurity field and has held some very significant roles in some of the tech industry's most influential companies, including Google and Microsoft. Dinesh currently serves as the Senior Manager for Merger and Acquisition Security at Google. And before Google, Dinesh was at Box, where he worked on product security. And Dinesh has also spent nearly six years at Microsoft, where he was involved in threat modeling, code review, and establishing Microsoft's first supplier security program. And earlier in his career, Dinesh also worked as the lead security engineer at Broadridge. It's an honor to have Dinesh on the podcast today. Dinesh, would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. Hey, Aaron. Hello, everybody. My name is Dinesh. I lead the MA security team at Google. I've been with the company for about four years now. Outside of work, I don't do much these days. I have two beautiful kids, a seven-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. So I've got my hands full. And it's, it's great to be here. And thanks for having me, Aaron. Of course. So just to get us started here, a lot of students misunderstand what cybersecurity means. So what is your definition of cybersecurity? Uh, that's a good question. So on, on the internet today, there is a constant fight for what's yours between you and the ones that want to take it away from you. So they are called the bad guys and they do it for all in unethical reasons. So cybersecurity, in my opinion, is a shield that protects what's yours from them. I think that's a great answer. So I also like to kind of go back and talk about your career. So how did you first get interested in cybersecurity as a career? I, I vividly remember it was during the second year of my grad school, a research student, the one Dan Guido, he actually runs a cybersecurity company called Trial of Bits now. He introduced a new course. Uh, it's called Penetration Testing and Vulnerability Analysis, where he invited several experts from the industry to cover different aspects of the program. It was strictly hands-on only. There was no books. Um, There's only research articles and um, the experts sharing some of their experience with us live. So learning to build and break software simultaneously was fun. So that was super exciting. And that's when I decided to take the plunge. I also noticed from your LinkedIn profile, you've received several licenses and certifications. And you also received your graduate degree at NYU so for high school students, what certifications would you suggest high schoolers should pursue on their path to becoming a cybersecurity professional? And what role do you think professional education plays in the role of cybersecurity? Um, so cyber threats and defenses are evolving on a daily basis, and that makes this domain more exciting and challenging. So. Learning and putting your skills to test every day is the best way to stay on top of the game. It's absolutely essential to keep you engaged in something, either passively like reading a book about security or following your favorite hacker on Twitter 
or more actively contributing and giving back to the community, like organizing or participating in capture the flag type events, tech talks and conferences. As far as professional certifications go, um, there are some foundational certifications that will introduce you to cybersecurity, like Google's cybersecurity certification program. It's relatively new, but it helps you lay the foundation. Certified Ethical Hacker by EC Council and Stanford does have a couple foundational courses on cybersecurity as well. Once you have some understanding of some basic concepts, you can pick a path. You enjoy breaking software or you enjoy building safer solutions and across many popular domains like web, mobile, crypto, blockchain. And then you can take up more advanced courses like the ones offered by uh, a company called Offensive Security. They recently renamed to Offsec and they offer a variety of certifications like Offensive Security Certified Professional, Web Expert and Exploit Development, depending on your interests. And these are purely hands-on technical courses. Um, so it, it'll, be, it'll be great for you to put some of those skills that you learned to test. I've also checked out the Stanford website and I, I saw their beginner cybersecurity programs. And I think that's a great resource for high schoolers to get started. Stanford also does offer a advanced cybersecurity program. And there are many different elective courses in that program, including writing secure code and protecting web applications and also mobile and network security. I think this is a great tool for students who are looking to further pursue cybersecurity, possibly as a career. Switching gears a little bit. What does your typical workday look like as a security manager at Google? And can you also kind of describe what your job entails? Sure. Um, so Google, Google acquires companies of various forms, shapes, and sizes for many different reasons. While Google has a super high bar for securing systems and keeping user data private, the acquisitions often do not meet that bar for obvious reasons. My team at Google is responsible for protecting the acquisitions products, data, and infrastructure until they are safely integrated into Google systems. We also work very closely with other engineering teams to build world-class security solutions for them while they stay off Google. And some of them take few months, some of them take years. So my team is responsible for protecting these acquisitions for the, for the lifetime of their off-Google presence. I also noticed at your time at Microsoft, you were involved in some threat modeling. So can you explain the importance of threat modeling and why it is important to the field of cybersecurity? So... So threat modeling is, is, a, is, is a structured process for identifying and assessing any potential threats to a, a, a system or, or an application. So it involves looking at the system from an attacker's perspective um, and, and trying to identify all the ways that the system could be exploited. And once the threats have been identified, the threat model can be used to just prioritize the risks and develop ways to resolve each of those threats. And it's a very important part of the uh, the software development lifecycle and, and can be used to improve uh, security of systems and applications at, at, at all of the all of the stages. And um and it's it's really important because um 
the sooner you do it, the sooner you can address the issues before um, you, you start developing the product. Because once you've developed it and and customers have started using the product, any um, any risks or threats that are reported to you by, um, by say, an external researcher or a bug hunter will take um, will become very expensive to address um, and and even test and ensure that the the fix that you applied actually resolved uh, the the problem and the and the root cause versus doing all of this in a hypothetical fashion even before uh, the product was um, was developed goes a long way and there are several techniques that that are used um, in the industry to perform threat modeling. One of my favorites is is the stride, and I've I've used this uh, in, in many of the internal and external engagements. When I was at Microsoft, it's called stride. S T R I D E. Um, S um, stands for spoofing. Is spoofing is pretending to be somebody else. Um, is is basically spoofing. So. I, I can I, I can call you and pretend to be a customer support from your bank and trying to um, get your password over the phone. Typical social engineering. Basically, I'm spoofing to be somebody else. So that's spoofing. T is tampering. Tampering, as the name suggests, it's tampering with the data. Your data on the internet goes from point A to point B all the time. You're sitting in front of your computer, using a browser to interact with many applications. And even from your phone, you interact with many of your favorite apps. And data from your devices move through multiple systems before it heads to um, before it ends up in the actual servers. Like, say, Facebook, there are many intermediate servers that, that connect you and Facebook together. So when the data goes through all these systems, there's a chance that somebody in this in this chain can tamper and modify that data. So that's tampering. And the third one is uh, repudiation. Repudiation is doing something and telling you that I was not the one I uh, that, that did that in the first place. So... If, if I send you a text message and tell you that I was not the one that sent you the message, how would you, how would you deny that fact or, or prove to me that I actually did? What you're going to do is pull up the phone and show me that the message actually came from my phone number. So, so that's the proof that you have that um, I, I actually sent you that message. So that's, that's repudiation. Um, is how do you um, how do you prove it, it how do you prove it if, if the message or data actually came from the person or the system that you intended to receive it from so that's repudiation and I is information disclosure and th this this happens all, all the time is systems intentionally or unintentionally disclosing more data than they uh, should supposed to have. Um, and uh, you, you would see that in, in many of your favorite applications, uh, sometimes they do a good job, for example, passwords being masked or social security numbers, certain um, certain digits in the um, in the social security numbers being masked. In some places, they, they'll be shown in, in plain text. So th that, that's a simple example of an information disclosure. And D is denial of service. This is an attack against your your system so the legitimate users of the systems cannot use it uh, this this happens all the time um, but there's no data loss here basically i um i don't want your systems to be usable by other legitimate users so i'm going to do everything in my power to bring that system down down 
So that's denial of service. You sometimes um, you would people would call it a DOS attack, and when you um, when you try to do that in a more distributed fashion, where you have bots in, all over the world, systems that you've compromised, you have that in your control, and you're trying to attack a single system with the distributed power you have. That's called distributed denial of service (DDoS). You you will hear some of these terms um, in on on the news all the time when there is a cybersecurity attack. And and the last one is uh, E is escalation of privileges. This is when um, most of the most often times when you compromise a system, you will get a basic set of privileges, but they are not super useful unless you escalate yourself to become the admin of the machine. Then you can do far more exciting things from an attack's perspective, like uh, deploying. Uh, malware or ransomware is a classic example. Lock up your system and all your favorite pictures and um, I will um, threaten you that I will delete them if you don't pay me, uh, hold you for a ransom. So uh, that is only possible when I'm able to compromise, compromise a machine and escalate my privilege to become an admin. So these are different type of threats um, that I can use to attack the system. And um, in order to make this process more structured, we oftentimes use this trade methodology to go against the crown jewels. And crown jewels meaning whatever system or application or data you're trying to protect. And um, and that's in that that's what threat modeling threat modeling is and why it's so important and some of the techniques that we use to perform it in the industry. Yeah, and a great place I think if you guys are interested in learning more about threat modeling or stride is Michael Howard's book on the security development life cycle. I think it's a great place to learn more about uh, threat modeling and stride and also just cybersecurity in general. Yep. And, and, and one quick addition is also by, uh, there's a book called Threat Modeling by Adam Shostak. He's also a Microsoft veteran. I don't know if he works there, but that's also a, a, a great resource because one of the very old books on this topic, then he kept kept updating it based on the, the evolving landscape. So Threat Modeling by Adam Shostak is the other book I recommend. Yes, that book is amazing. And Adam Shostak also provides free LinkedIn courses on threat modeling and stride. It's only around 15 to 20 minutes, but I think it's very useful, especially for uh, students just starting out learning about threat modeling and stride. So what activities or projects would you suggest for students to pursue if they're possibly interested um, in cybersecurity as a career? Uh, sure. So if, if I ask you, Aaron, what, what can you do with a paperclip? You will respond by stating the obvious. While it's important to acknowledge them, it's prudent to also think about the unintended uses of a paperclip. Like it can attract magnets. You can use it to reset a router or even hurt someone. So start developing the skill to find the black dot on a white paper. So this is what we call attacker's mindset. This will help you build secure products and or break them. So use the resources available to you from Coursera, EDX, Google, YouTube to pick some basic cybersecurity skills. Make some connections on LinkedIn participate in conferences. Most of them are available to students at no cost. 
uh, two of my favorite or B-sides and AppSec, um, to, to name a few. Join your local OWASP. It's OWASP, it's Open Web Application Security Project. Students chapter, most of the cities have local chapters. So please join um, and attend or organize events or, or tech talks. These are, these are very, uh, so very informative. So please do join the chapters and participate. You could also become an ethical buck hunter once you have uh, a foundational um, experience in understanding some of these security concepts and responsibly disclose bugs to the right people and even get rewarded. Many companies run bug bounty programs, sign up on platforms like HackerOne, BuckRoad, and all of these will open up new, new avenues for you all to master this field. Thank you. Those are some great tools to keep in mind for high schoolers who are interested in further pursuing cybersecurity. High schools nowadays are also providing lots of different resources and materials for events like hackathons and capture the flag events. And those are also great resources for high schoolers to take advantage of if they want to learn more about cybersecurity. How do you think cybersecurity careers will change in the future, especially with um, the advent of new technologies such as AI or um, quantum computing? So uh, AI is, is going to make everybody's lives a lot easier, and that includes the bad guys too. So like in every other technological advancement, there will be individuals that try to abuse these systems for, for their own benefits. For example, anybody can create a computer virus or a malware in a matter of seconds in the immediate future. And AI will even help you make it more evasive. You could trick them to doing things that they were not intended to do. So simply put AI systems or learning from what's out there. And what's out there is not always right. So we'll have some of the same challenges we already have today, while some of the new challenges will also pop up as the space matures. On a positive note, certain mundane tasks like reporting, finding patterns, making simple decisions will be totally automated. And we'll have to bring in our best human judgment and empathy in making other critical decisions. I definitely agree with you. And I find that I've had a similar experience in school. For example, using ChatGPT to help you understand a concept that you might not fully comprehend is great. But using ChatGBT to cheat on exams is obviously not the best. Uh, kind of switching gears a little bit, how do you think Google promotes diversity and inclusiveness in their environment? So, so Google promotes diversity and inclusiveness in workplace through a variety of initiatives. So I'm going to share a few of them with you. First, hiring programs to increase the representation of underrepresented groups in its workplaces. Th these programs include targeted recruitment, unconscious bias training for all hiring managers like myself, and employee referral bonuses for referring candidates from underrepresented groups. Two is development of programs to help employees from underrepresented groups develop their careers. These groups include mentorship programs, leadership development programs, and employee resource groups, and internally we call them ERGs, 
the ERGs are groups of employees who share a common identity or interest, such as race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, or disability. ERGs provide support and networking opportunities for their members. And, and three, culture initiatives to create a more inclusive workplace. These initiatives include unconscious bias for all employees, diversity and inclusive, inclusiveness training for all managers, and a commitment to creating a workplace where everyone feels safe and respected. This is definitely a great initiative that Google has, and I think it's crucial, especially in the field of cybersecurity, to have diversity and inclusion, as it's very important to be able to view a problem or issue from many different perspectives. And finally, just to wrap us up for today, Dinesh, do you have any final tips for any high schoolers who are interested in pursuing cybersecurity as a career? Sure, I, I'll, I'll keep it simple. We, we all have to stay vigilant in this fight against the bad guys. They're growing stronger just like us as they have access to the same technology and resources as we do. So open your favorite app, go to the security and privacy settings page and try to understand everything you see there and why they exist. This is a great first step. Of course. Thank you, Dinesh, for your time today. And thank you for joining us on the podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Aaron.